is this? Ah, the French. For what reason? What is the charge? Eating a meal? A succulent Chinese meal? I'm here, Papa! Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. First listen to the animal man, the Snoopy Snoopy poop dog. My wife hated me being a firefighter. We were divorced nine months later. If you don't mind my saying, I don't like your attitude one bit. Inspired. Six times I've now ruined my whiskey. I'm under arrest. I'm under what? I just want to do whatever serves the corporation best. Good night, Mr. Watson. Good night. Gentlemen, this is Democracy Manifest. Broadcasting from the top of the Ferris wheel at the World's Fair, it's World Champion Podcast. My name is Brighton SLC. And I am Sean Black. It is time for our annual Star Trek Spectacular. So prepare yourselves for that. Set phasers on fun. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Before that, we got to get some Smogville news. Sports, you know, we do occasionally talk about sports. Love sports here at the the Mm -hmm. show. Kind of sad season for the Smogville Miners, our baseball team. That's true. And that's M-I-N-O-R-S. Right, in honor of, of the majority of the workforce in the coal mines here. Exactly. So miners, you can spell it's kind of interchangeable, actually. The miners are mostly miners here. Right. Um, but boy, just uh, we thought we were going to maybe make a run for it. Bad season. Mm-hmm. Um, but trade deadline, we had to trade away little Bobby Vanderway. That's right. Uh, our star shortstop, promising young talent, mm-hmm. traded him for a big sack of cabbage. Yeah, and it's it's been a rough year for cabbage here, so we we need all the cabbage we can get. And in this case, we had to trade away. He, so let's let's do some stats on 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 little Stevie. Well, he was the best player on the team. He was batting two fifty seven. And 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 by best player, the biggest uh, way you can tell who the best player is it's it's the player with the least amount of errors. Yeah, he had, what, it was only 17, 18. Still a lot of errors, but, but if you're the least amount of errors, you, you, man, that's a promising future here. It really is, and, and little Bobby was a bright spot. We still got big Bobby, who plays mm-hmm. right field, his father. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. It's just kind of a, a give up. I, I, I wish we at least would have gotten some prospects. Yeah. Well, hopefully the cabbage will help the new generation of minor miners mm-hmm. grow to be big and strong. That's true. The cabbage will... Like, if you look at the prospects in that, like, the prospect of a great cabbage soup, that mm. prospect is as bright as can be. Oh, it's a fortifying stew. Mm-hmm. A good cabbage stew. Great for miners. Not to keep harping on Babe Ruth, continuing from last week, though, but I heard mm-hmm. a legend that he kept a frozen leaf of cabbage under his cap to stay cool. Mm-hmm. Have we talked about this on the show? or I We've definitely talked about it in real life. Because I'm pretty I'm, sure we've talked about it on a podcast. We must have, because I, I remember talking with you about the Bat Boy in charge of changing his cabbage leaf yes. between innings. And that's, and that's such, a, <laughs> it's such a charming, like, quaint image. Yeah. Like, you try to imagine, like, a lot of times when I try to imagine the past, Something that really blows my mind is the guy that delivers the giant block of ice. Yeah, back when I love was, that guy. It's just a crazy idea. You have these big hook things. But, I, but the same sort of thing, to, it, it almost seems like that would be common knowledge. Like, oh, it's really getting hot. Well, if you tried putting a piece of cabbage, cool cabbage <laughs> under your hat. Yeah. It just makes sense. Or like a, like a chilled penguin. 
Yeah, like or if like if you were really rich, you'd just keep a bunch of penguins in the fridge mm-hmm. and then just put them in your pockets. Well, it's it's like one of those things that makes sense. Like if you want an extra hop in your step when you're running the bases as a baseball player, you put a toad in your pocket. Exactly. And 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 in the olden days, you would have kind of have a toad in your pocket anyway. Well, I that's imagine. like our second baseman Johnny Toad Pockets. That's right. Who uh, has stolen three bases this year, which is mm. very impressive as well. And that's, I love uh, that's a team record. I know, and they call him Crokey because, amazingly enough, Toad Pockets is his actual birth name. Yeah, that's his birth name. They call him Crokey because of the toads in his pockets. Right. That's where you, that's where you get the. the if you, it's, a, it's, it's where his nickname comes. Use from. Use your imagination. You can figure out where Crokey comes from. Um, so before we get into our Star Trek spectacular, mm-hmm. uh, last night I stayed up a little too late because I was watching a film on Netflix streaming that okay. might be, we're going to go deep into the Neggy zone here. Oh, uh, for those that might not know the Neggy zone is when we get real negative. Mm-hmm. We got together, we built a portal to a zone of negative thoughts, negative reviews, bitterness and complaining. It's a negative zone. Yeah. It's the Neggy zone. Uh, so I watched this movie, maybe the worst movie I have ever, ever seen. Bold statement. In June-ish of 2014, I think June 14th, 14, mm-hmm. um, the band Screeching Weasel played a concert in Salt Lake City, my right. hometown. Uh, if you don't know anything about this band, they are one of the seminal pop-punk bands, never achieved mainstream success or even mm-hmm. mainstream failure, never mainstream in any possible way, yeah. never even scratched it. Mm-hmm. But a very influential uh, and really catchy band. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the singer is a cantankerous old dude, they never toured. They never really played live. They've broken up and gotten back together, well, with different people. Yeah, it's one of those... It's like uh, Smashing Pumpkins or something. Yeah, where there's the mastermind and then a rotating cast of of others. The the band getting back together is cronies that that Ben Weasel has has hired. Yeah, that can put up (laughs) with his bad attitude. Yes. Yeah, um, so they played a show, and the reason for it was uh, they were filming Punk's Dead, SLC Punk 2. Okay. And they put this show on so that they could film, like, a real-life punk show. Mm-hmm. So I went to that show. I had a great time. The movie, um, which was funded by Kickstarter, or Indiegogo, rather, and the okay. Indiegogo raised $91,000. What, what is the difference? Uh... What, what is the difference between GoFundMe and all? They're all, like... Kickstarter, Kickstarter, you have to meet a goal to get the money. Yeah, and Kickstarter, I know that you specifically have to be creating something from scratch, some sort of art project okay. or something, mm-hmm. and you have to give out rewards. Okay. So, you know, we're, we're the first five, you donate $5, you get a sticker or something like right, that. Right. GoFundMe is simply give me money. Okay, that's, that's, the one, that's the one I like. Yeah. In fact, one of our, one of our peeps mm-hmm. has asked us to promote his GoFundMe. Huh. Um, Stan Lee is very old. This guy wants to go to a convention and meet Stan Lee. Hmm. Just give him, give me money. Give him him money. Exactly. Now, um, when I say he wants us to promote it, um, full disclosure, we are being compensated for mentioning it. We're being compensated Mm. very, very handsomely. Through, Through the GoFundMe, right? Well, he's paid us enough that I think you and I can go meet Stan Lee. Mm-hmm. But um, honestly, this guy I don't think has the best business acumen. Okay. Because he really gave us a lot of money to mention his GoFundMe, That's and I'm just—I'm not going to say. Actually, I don't want to say it because he's probably listening. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, check our check our Facebook for that. Stanley's not; he's retiring after this year. We'll we'll share the link. You can check that out. And do, right. do with it what you will. Indiegogo. I don't know that. I don't know what that's about. Okay, anything goes on that one. Got anything go goes. Mm-hmm. And wake me up before you Indiegogo. <laughs> so they raised ninety one thousand dollars, and before watching the movie, I was looking at it and was like, "So what did ninety one thousand dollars?" Salary that goes to the for, CEO salary. Yeah, like that's not enough to make a movie. Mm. So where's the rest of the money coming from? Were, were they like crunch the numbers and they're like, God, we're sixty thousand dollars short. Mm. I'm guessing that they had to raise money to license all the fantastic tunes that play throughout the movie because they certainly didn't spend it on a script. <laughs> Ninety one thousand ninety eighty eight thousand went to the director, just to, just for his time, his expertise. Yeah, because he can't just take time off from his day job to right. write and direct a sequel to a to a movie that mm-hmm. was fairly well received. Was it? Was it? Was it I don't know. What's, what's your relationship with SLC Punk? It's a seminal movie for a lot of kids. I have never seen it. <laughs> All right, I never. I haven't. And I think we've talked about this. Now, of course, you're not going to see it because the movie came out, what, 97, mm-hmm. 98. Right. And why would you want to see a movie about the punk scene in your obscure town when you were the guitarist of uh, a very prominent punk band in that town? In that town. Well, to, to, why would you do that? Well, to, to me, it was more about how I couldn't stand uh, Shaggy is in it, right? He plays like yeah. the main character. And it just, I just couldn't, I don't know what it was. I was just r- repelled by him. I was, t- I was and am repelled by him. Maybe now that he's older, I won't find him as offensive. Mm-hmm. But no, I hated that guy. I hated him in Scream. I hated him in... Yeah. In, uh, uh, well, he's in Scooby-Doo. I knew him mainly from Scooby-Doo, and I just thought... Wing how, Commander. How can this... <laughs> Wing Commander, really? He's that's in that? A, that's a really bad movie. <laughs> Although, I'll, give, I'll hand it to Wing Commander. The Matrix gets a lot of credit for its uh, you know, bullet time, but Wing Commander did it first. Is that true? Yeah. I remember watching Wing Commander and be like, wow, that's a cool special effect. That's pretty amazing, actually. Yeah, that's a bad movie. So, so yes, I have not seen it. Okay. So that's my relationship. My relationship was, I am a punk. I don't need to have Shaggy from the Scooby-Doo movie show me what punk life is like. Yeah. Well, it's a movie. Um, people like it. People that were in the right place at the right time. So the sequel, of course, 20 years later, we're all clamoring for it. Mm-hmm. We just want there to be a sequel. I know. So, um, Big one of those petitions, on, online petitions. Now I'm going to spoil this, uh, the ending of SLC Punk. A, the character, not Shaggy, but his best friend, dies at the end. Right. It's very sad. Mm-hmm. Heroin Bob. Now when I saw his name on the cast list, I thought, that's weird. <laughs> he died. Died in the first one. Maybe it's a prequel. Yeah. So, well, so here's, here's how it goes. I'm going to break this down. So we start out with this kid getting beat up in a mosh pit. Okay. And, and then <laughs> I was watching with my brother, and he said, I was just going to be like one of those like lock stock movies that I hate. <laughs> my brother hates Guy Ritchie movies because they're and, – and you got to admit, there's a formula Guy Ritchie Yeah, follows. I was going to say that's, that's fair. I can respect someone hating Guy Ritchie. And then sure enough, as soon as he says that, freeze frame – and then voiceover. Oh no! Which is like the staple yeah, of Guy Ritchie oh, movies. And and was it uh, was it freeze frame right when he's about to get punched? Like he like, just got punched. Yeah, yeah, that that's <laughs> okay, it. Yeah. Okay, got it. And then this guy's like, "That's my son," and blah blah blah. But I can't be there for him. Cut to this character, Heroin Bob, because I'm dead. 
So he's narrating the whole movie as a ghost in like a weird little shack. Oh, so it's like Sixth Sense or something. Yeah, and even though he's dead, he's he's certainly aged. <laughs> That's it's it's well, that ages you. I imagine being dead is very very hard. And we got this scene, and I swear, what must have happened is they filmed like the first half hour of the movie, and then realized they didn't have a memory card in the camera. You know how sometimes we've recorded a podcast and then at the end, really, oh, yeah. after we're done high-fiving, realize we forgot to actually push the record button? Right, it could, it could be happening right now. Yeah, I feel like that must have happened because then we get this montage of Heroin Bob like explaining what should have been the first part of the movie. <laughs> Where they're like, okay, we lost the card. Yeah. But we, we got we to, gotta, oh, come on, think. Think, Just think, think. What do we do? So he's like, I died. Here was my, this was a girl I hooked up with before I died. She's totally eccentric. You've heard show, don't tell. Not, well, not this movie. Right. Because it's def- like every movie should start that way where you're explaining what the characters are like. Mm-hmm. Like, this is Jim Carrey. He's dumb. <laughs> Him and his buddy are both really dumb. They do dumb things that people laugh at. Isn't this, isn't that the, the first thing they teach you in film school, though? I think it's the first thing they teach you in anything school. It's yeah. It's like such a dumb little cliche. Well, so, but and so you know, it's one thing to say like plot stuff, but it's another to explain the character traits. Right, right. And he says like, she's totally eccentric and wild and a free thinker. And oh, this is my son. My he, son doesn't drink. He's, the narrator literally says he literally she's says she's eccentric. And then he talks about his son and how he's really smart and more like an adult than a teenager. It sounds like baby's first script. This sounds yeah. adorable. Yeah. So the boy. Uh, was raised in his mom's steampunk store. Mm-hmm. So let's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know I steamrolled right over that. No yes. pun intended. So the, the that is a thriving family business, I imagine. Yeah, steampunk, and that's where he was raised. So that means she's been running this steampunk How store. How old is he? Twenty years old. He's, How... ni- he's nineteen years old. Nineteen. So it's the twentieth anniversary of the steampunk store. Yeah. Oh, this what what and the town steampunk is this store in? is obviously like. And this is in Salt. Know. It takes place in Salt Lake City. Yeah, yeah. So, and this is a, a character from the first movie who's been recast. Mm-hmm. The mom, who was like the love interest in, in the first right. one. So she has a steampunk store, which has like a weird old telephone mm-hmm. and some goggles on a mannequin, and like a like a weird horn, like a goat horn. Mm-hmm. Very sparse steampunk store. What? Do you, how How much do you think they bring in a year at Money the steampunk there. store? Well, she's got a. How, what's their house like? So she works there, and she has an assistant, so okay. she's able to have an employee. Let's say that. Well, they said he was raised in this, so they might live in the steampunk store They might li- live there. Yeah. Okay, so that, that makes a little more sense. Yeah. Is steampunk one of those things? How long has steampunk been around? The, like, and, not, and, not, and, and I'm know. not talking Jules Verne books. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, the, the kind of cosplay-ish idea. Are we talking 10 years more? I'd say, I mean, I remember uh, first encountering it the first time I went to Salt Lake, or not, San Diego Comic Con, mm-hmm. um, which was in, what, 2008 or nine, maybe? 2008. Okay. So that's when I first saw it, but well, well, I know. Well, so I'm just, I'm just wondering if steampunk has been around as long as this store was the store opened before the idea existed? Okay, the, okay. the first use of the word was in 1995, a book called The Steampunk Trilogy. Oh, cool. So, so the, she got right on top of it, opened a store immediately. Immediately. Love right, that book. R- right when the novel came out. Yeah. Before it was even... That would be like opening a Star Trek store while it was still on the air in the 60s. 
Yeah. Before there was even kind of a fan base. Like right after the second episode <laughs> opening a Star Trek story. <laughs> well, good. Yeah, that's forward thinking. It is forward thinking. And this movie takes place in 2005. And there's no reason for it to take place in 2005 other than, other than for, for it to make sense with the original movie and how old the original actors are now. But the original movie took place in the 80s but came out in the 90s. That screws up the continuity, though. Because if the first use of steampunk was in 95, if it takes place in You're 2005, right. she opened a store 10 years before the, before the first use of the word steampunk. That's incredibly forward-thinking. <laughs> yeah, man, that's some Jules Verne shit right there. That is. So they, they probably live in there because it's a time machine. Yeah. No, they make it a big point to be like, it's 2005. And that's mm-hmm. just because the actors are 20 years older and the first one took place in 85 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, Fair enough. So this kid is not a punk, and he doesn't drink or do drugs or anything. Mm-hmm. He he's dresses got that straight edge. Yeah, they say he's too straight edge for even the straight edge kids. Oh wow! Um, he dresses like. Uh, have you seen the Gary Oldman Dracula? <laughs> there is I I I I. I, I love for the Gary Oldman Dracula. <laughs> Especially when he's the old man Dracula. With well, the, the bun hair. Yeah, oh, yeah. I love it. Well, he's not the old man Dracula. He's not the young, like, red armor Dracula. But mm. he's Dracula when he goes to visit London and is all dapper. <laughs> that's, called, that's vaguely steampunk. Yeah. I can see. I lo- so when he goes to, like, the first movie theater or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Doesn't he have little spectacles? Yeah, little like- spectacles. <laughs> so that's how this kid dresses. He's got, like, really long, flowing, but, like, blow-dried hair mm-hmm. and a puffy shirt and a tweed vest and carries a cane around. Uh, wow. And that's quite a look. Yeah. Quite a statement. Yeah. So, so after this introduction where Heron Bob explains who everyone is, mm-hmm. the mom is at her steampunk store and gets a call, and she goes, What? Crying? Drunk? Ogden? Oh, no! <laughs> Ross is in Ogden. Are you kidding? What are we going to do? Like a Lassie phone call? Yeah, exactly. Exactly <laughs> a Lassie fo- phone call. So now he's tooling around Ogden with some punk girl and this punk guy. Uh-huh. And they're in this um, like perfectly restored 50s convertible hmm. Chevy Bel Air or something like that. I don't know, cars. Okay. And he explains like, oh, this is Penny and she fixed this car up herself, <laughs> which is an important line because oh, later it? the car breaks down. And she's like, ah! And then Gothboy goes and tweaks something in the engine with his cane to fix it. (laughs) Now, this is after we've established that this girl has spent six years building the car car. by herself. But but is baffled by anything under the hood. Yeah. So, oh my God, this movie sucks. (laughs) So so we find out he's sad because his girlfriend, like, he was at Area 51, and his girlfriend was banging some, or girl he liked. Which is I don't a, know. a club, a dance club. Yeah, that is a goth dance club. Because our, our listeners probably know it more for the beef jerky, alien beef jerky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so the movie is just montage after montage. So, like, two seconds of dialogue. Are they music like, montages? Yeah, and then, like, punk song with them driving around. Now, what I noticed, and, and your average viewer might not notice this, but I was paying very close attention to the background mm-hmm. because I wanted to see if I recognized any of the filming locations. You know the city well. Yes. So, they must have been able to shut down, like, one half mile of road mm-hmm. for an hour and had to film the whole movie all the exterior because the ex- yeah so they're they're in Ogden and they're going to a punk show they never even say what they're just like we got to go to the show 
And he's all sad, and he's like, no, let's take the, the mountain pass. Let's take the long way. So they're driving through this, like, sort of rural area. Mm-hmm. But you see the same things go by in the background, like, a hundred times. Over. Oh, wow. Like a gas station, this barn, just over and over and over <laughs> again on this long drive. <laughs> So we we so that's it. So the, I love that. so the there's three locations. There's the car, mm. there's the steampunk shop, and then eventually the concert. Mm. Um, they stop and pick up this like dreadlock guy who has a giant bag of mushrooms. They do mushrooms, which leads to a montage of people being goofy. Oh, they go bowling for some reason. This uh, this sounds like a movie where they had the idea like a concept for. Like, wouldn't it be cool if there was a sequel? And then they thought, oh, wow, we don't actually have a plot of any kind. No, nothing at all. So they all. start filming, and they're like, all right, this is going to be great. Yeah. It really is like, it's like, yeah, me and my buddies, we just like to make movies. I mm. saved up and bought a camera. Mm. And then I get my friends, and we just goof off. So we keep cutting between that and then really quick scenes of the mom being worried. And quick scenes, like one scene was like 10 seconds. Like, they're in the car, and then they cut back to the mom, like, I just hope he's okay. And then, like, fade back into them in the car. Then a couple of, uh, a few of the very ancillary characters in the first movie come in, and they're like, oh, he's like our nephew. We got to take care of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is one guy who, in the first movie, was called Josh the Mod, and now he's way into Norwegian black metal. Oh, okay. So that was nice. a nice little touch. He's That's actually a... the only actor or character who seems to be having fun and, and mm-hmm. doing a good job. Um, then there's this weird scene where the the girl's dad shows up and calls her a slut. Because in 2005, mm. being punk rock was like <laughs> so outrageous and shocking. Yeah. That how could your parents even I comprehend know. it? Uh, in 2005, her parents could easily be punks. Yeah, just like the boy. They could be, they they could just well, I mean, they could have been in Black Flag. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Age wise. Yeah. Yeah, but so then there's like this brief little fight with her father and this you don't understand me thing, which is just this sad attempt to make it like have some kind of meaning. Um, They get to the concert. Now, Screeching Weasel, like I said, doesn't tour. Mm -hmm. Even during the show, the singer was saying what a big deal it was to see them live. He's like, you are, are all so lucky because I hate playing shows, but they paid us so much money to be here and gave me a hotel suite and flew me in first class. So that's kind of tacky, I gotta say. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely <laughs> tacky. Yeah. Um, so that band is in it for about six seconds and is not mentioned by name. What? And is not that. Yeah. Yeah. That that sounds. What? That doesn't make any sense. Why would he? Why would you even hire? Why not just have a local band play then for free? That's what I'd like to know. It, unless unless it was just we have to make it look like there's a bunch of people here, so we have to get a big name band. No. That can't. That's not it. Right? Okay, then my other theory is that it's just that the director wanted to see Screeching Weasel and had all this Indiegogo money to spend. That's true. Or the third theory could be oh. that somehow they couldn't actually get the rights afterwards. That's what I wonder. Is maybe they couldn't get the rights. Maybe Ben Weasel doesn't have rights to Screeching Weasel. Some, you know, Fat Records or whoever. Yeah, maybe there's something like that, or maybe they forgot to hit record. There you go. So the last half hour of the movie Which is... Which sounds like would have been the best case scenario for this movie. Yeah. So the last half hour is the concert and just like... So the, the boy is moshing. So it's, I, I think the, 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 the story here is that he learned to le- be less uptight and embraced punk or something. Is he still dressed as Dracula? Yeah, he's still end? dressed as Dracula and there's a big montage of him moshing. This is like one... It takes place in one day, this whole movie? Yeah, like okay. an afternoon. All right. And... So he's moshing, and then he's like, oh, this is great. And everyone's like, I can't believe you're moshing. Mm. You're doing it. Um, 
uh, I feel like there was some very important plot point I forgot to mention, but that can't possibly be true. Yeah. So then, uh, and he just gets so caught up in the moment, he gets up and interrupts a band that's playing and makes some speech on stage, and then stage great. dives. Where he says, please come to my mom's steampunk store. <laughs> yeah. Going out of business sale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a mattress sale. Yeah. And then he Everything gets, must go. Then he gets beat up, and then uh, his... The, oh, and, his, that, and we've, gone, we've gone full circle now. Yes, yeah, so this now is the opening credits. Then the two guys from the first movie come and drag him outside, and then he talks with his mom in the parking lot. And according to Wikipedia, they come to terms with Heroin Bob's death, but I didn't really pick that up from the move, from watching the movie. Hmm. And that's it. So it, it okay. That's it. Let's look. It's <laughs> just so I, bad. I, I don't even know what to say. I was going to ask a question, but then I was like, I don't really care. Actually. And it's not even like no, nor no one should care. No, it's just I. I have to. I had to get this out. I couldn't right, hold it in. Right. You know, it's like I. It's like if I witnessed a murder, I mm-hmm. have to tell someone about it. Right. And it's not even so bad. It's good. There's nothing fun or redeeming about this. Oh, and then the gall, the gall, <laughs> is at the end when everyone's like walking away. The, the the sound fades out and they play Life on Mars by David Bowie. Like one of the greatest songs what? ever. And I was just like, this movie did not earn that, was that like, song. That was like a kick in the nuts for you, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like this moving, powerful song that this movie just did not fucking earn. Maybe that's what. Maybe that's where all the money went. That, it was, it must it was have to been, get that yeah. song. And Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you do a punk song? And prior to that, they played Atmosphere by Joy Division, which is also a slow, sad, tragic song. Huh. Um that I previously associated with uh, the scene where Ian Curtis hangs himself in the Joy Division movie. Mm-hmm. So it's a very sad song. But no, let's just have slow motion moshing and play that song for some reason. You think Just they... to try to like force some sort of emotional thing into this movie that doesn't exist. Otherwise, is there punk music playing throughout the movie? Oh, yeah. It's got uh, Time Bomb and oh, okay, okay. Violent Femmes, No Effects, punk. nonstop punk music. Okay, no... no. All right. And then weird little interludes that do that Monty Python thing with like the animated collage cutouts and pictures and stuff. Oh. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, of course. With Heron Bob being like, no, just there's a bunch of different kinds of punk. There's street punk, gutter punk, pop oh, punk. Oh, and like Scott explain, punk and, explains types of punk. Well, he just doesn't explain them, he just lists them. Oh. So that's great. <laughs> for, for all of you keeping a checklist. Yeah. <laughs> Got them all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, po- yeah, Pokemon thing. It's like a Pokemon punk genres. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to set this the 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 star. What is it called? A Stargate? Yeah, Stargate. I'm going to use that term. We got to set the Stargate to go out of the negative zone. Yeah. Well, what would you call that thing that Reed Richards built for the negative zone? It's like a Stargate. It's a, yeah. It's like a, it's exactly a Stargate. So we got to go back through it because the rest is positivity. Yeah, we got to close from it here on out. Yeah, we got to close off that the negative zone for the rest of the episode because we're going to talk about something very beloved to me, and that is Star Trek. And let, let's just get into my annual road trip to. The Star Trek convention. I'm actually going to tell it to tell it in reverse, so we can segue into our our main Star Trek subject. Okay. Should I have not said that out loud? Huh? I should have just. No, nodded. you didn't send it out loud. You didn't say it out loud. Okay. I forgot to hit record this whole time. Anyway, oh, perfect. So it's fine. Yeah. This is Brighton. He <laughs> forgot to hit record. He's forgetful and kind of rebellious. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. So the Star Trek convention. When you say that, this is 
the, the Star Trek convention. The big one. Every annual. The annual. Thing. And, and it's, it's the 50th anniversary of Star Trek this year. So this was the, the big one of the big ones. Mm-hmm. This takes place in Las Vegas, Nevada. I have gone. This is my fourth year in a row going. I'm a, I love going. It's a lot of fun. And it's such a str- I've talked about in the past how I think, or maybe I haven't on this show, how comic conventions are kind of too many. It's like when you go to a restaurant, there's too many things on the menu. Mm. You, you go to a comic convention these days, it's everything. It's almost, it's, it's overwhelming. Yeah, absolutely. You, you go to Star Trek and it's, it's like going to like a ribs place where it's just like barbecue. Okay. So it's just Star Trek. I love it. It's, yeah. it's, it, make, it makes things, it's just got a focus to it. And amongst, and in that focus, you can get into the minutia of so many things, you know. One of the things I love about, about any kind of nerdy subject I'm in is how I can just obsessively get into the tiniest of details. Oh, yeah, that's what we all love. That's what we love stuff. the most, yeah. right? Reading about the, the sm- like who the cinematographer is, who, who played Boba Fett. Or like, that, like, oh, that cape was the same cape from Planet of the Apes and mm-hmm. and Star Trek. Or right, right. Yeah. That's that's the that's that's the obsessive minutia that draws us to these these topics, and that's what this this convention is. Is it's if you've got one subject, you can get all, every aspect of it. So I go there every year. Like I said, I'm gonna since we're doing space time stuff and and going to negative zones, I'm gonna talk about my trip in reverse. Okay. So the first thing I want to talk about is out in the middle of the desert, 10 miles south of Las Vegas, is this thing called the Seven Magic Mountains. And what it is is an art, ex- I, don't know, I don't know if you call it an installation. Like uh, land art. Land art. Yeah, so I saw, I was just talking about that in Green River, the land art down there. Right. So, yeah. So th- this, uh, I got his name right here. It is, he's a Swiss artist named Ugo, and I'm going to butcher this. Rondinone? Rondinone. Rondinone? I'm guessing, yeah. Ugo Rondinone. And it basically is a rainbow Stonehenge. It's seven piles of, of, or seven boulders, seven piles of multiple boulders. Columns, like tetrisy. Yeah. Kind of tetrisy. And when when I saw photos of it, I I thought, this is cool, but it it doesn't do justice to how big these boulders are. I I, I need to read how they they built this structure because these boulders are just gigantic. And and each of the seven towers of boulders has has about five, it looks like five or six on each one. Each boulder is painted in a bright neon color. And so it's, it's just a rainbow Stonehenge. It was it was really cool. There's something about about seeing uh, this type of art that's just a real. It's something that you can't describe in a photo or on a podcast. Actually, it's just and art in general. Do you get that when you the the emotions you get when you look at art? Sometimes it's it's hard to even describe what you're feeling or what you're what senses you're experiencing. Yeah, and I've, I'm always impressed by that because that's what art is is trying to express things that we can't do with our stupid human words. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, you and I have talked about this privately about Rothko. And right. not to get too highbrow on anybody, mm-hmm. but Rothko is orange squares, and it's like, yeah, but it's got this powerful thing it's that we po- can't... Yeah, we're both big fans. Like, that's how you express it, is with these images, mm-hmm. not with work. Yeah. And with Rothko, I didn't realize I even liked him until I saw his paintings oh, in, yeah, same. In, in, in real life. Yeah, I'd, I Of course, I'd taken art history, and I was like, oh, this is lame. He just painted the giant red square. 
But then being in this in London in this kind of darkened room where I saw a, a Rothko exhibit, it was it was like it's like impossible to describe. Yeah. It was like it was moving and powerful and cool, and it just I can still remember how I felt seeing all those. And this is the same sort of thing. You you see a photo of a bunch of rainbow boulders, and it's cool. You want to see it, but being there in person, it was just weird. It was like being on an alien planet or something. So that that was well worth the drive. So if you're in Vegas, man, take it. It's only ten miles south. Go go check out the Seven Magic Mountains, and I'll I'll throw a photo up on our our social media stuff. All right, another thing. Thanks to our buddy Matt, he gave me a heads up that while I was in town for the Star Trek convention, there was a toy convention who was having a miniature con inside that for Garbage Pell Kids. So it was the Garbage Pell Kids con within the toy con. Oh, weird. Okay. And so this... Wow, man. You, you just got to be a diehard fan of, of Garbage Pell Kids. For those who don't know, Garbage Pell Kids are are gross little sticker cards, almost like baseball cards, that are, that are mocking gar- uh, Cabbage Patch Kids, yeah. a huge phenomenon in the early 80s. And I was thinking about it today when I was uh, getting ready for, for this episode. Garbage Pill Kids are actually sort of like Pokemon. We've talked about how we're a little bit too old for Pokemon. Oh, yeah. I kind of feel like Garbage Pill Kids are kind of our Pokemon. Oh, totally, because they're... they're- be new sets every six months or so with 80 new cards. Right. You try to catch them all, collect them all. Yeah. You would trade them with your friends. They're, they, and, and I've never met anyone who doesn't like Garbage Pail Kids. Have you ever met someone who's like, oh, those are stupid? Everybody is like, oh, nostalgic. Yeah, totally. And so I had a chance to go in and, and, and meet some of the artists. They were selling a, a documentary that I bought that I haven't been able to watch yet called 30 Years of Garbage, which the history of the Garbage Pail Kids. And I, 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 I haven't seen it yet, but I'm, I am pumped for that. Well, we should talk about the origin real quick. Of the Garbage Pail Kids? Yeah. All right, go. So, well, created by Art Spiegelman. Mm-hmm. A cartoonist mm-hmm. who so garbage pail kids are little babies that are either dying violently or are dis- they're disgusting or covered in snot yeah or have pimples yeah or not it, babies like weird a- creature th- little humanoid little creature like things. cherubs yeah they're like wingless cherubs so so Art Spiegelman created those he's best known for his graphic novel Mouse M A U S which um, was the first graphic novel to win a Pulitzer Prize. Yeah. So about, it really legitimized the, co- the comic book medium. Yeah, absolutely. Like it, it did it finally after mm-hmm. sixty years. So that very highbrow kind of thing, it came <laughs> very, very deep, very important. Came from the same guy that mm-hmm. created uh, like Bobby Booger. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's a beautiful thing, man. Uh-huh. From, sometimes I think our show is all about l- proving that lowbrow. Art is actually highbrow art. Yeah, like every single topic is us is reveling in in the beauty and wonder of some something like Bigfoot or 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 someone with unexplained diarrhea. <laughs> this is like we're we are creating a monument to these these subjects. Well, that's a good point. Talking about have, them in depth might have to start incorporating that into our branding. I know we should our write, write that down for sure. Yeah. 
So they, the Garbage Pail Kids were sold in little baseball card packs, basically. You'd buy a little pack. There would be a, a piece of razor-sharp hard gum in there that, that without a doubt would cut your gums. You, you, it's like chewing on a razor blade. And it made the card smell like bubble gum, which was nice. Oh, it's, it's a great thing now. Yeah. And then, uh, and then like, I think there was five cards per pack. I loved them. And then you could put a, if you got enough of them, you could make a puzzle. Oh, yeah. The back of the card had a puzzle piece. Had puzzles. They're, they also had weird little things like diplomas for the, you know, the world's biggest fart smith. <laughs> <laughs> there was stuff like that. Yeah. Or sometimes it would be a little history of, of one of the characters or, or like a conversation between two, two disgusting little creatures. What about the movie? Have you ever seen the movie? I love the movie. I okay. love it so much. I've never seen it. I'll have to watch I'll, that I'll track we'll it down. It. It's, yeah. it's really... What's, the movie, they couldn't commit fully. They were trying to make a kid's movie that's kind of heartwarming and trying to make a disgusting little creature movie, so they fail in both regards. It's a pretty bad movie. But it's bas- the Garbage Pail Kids are all... It's teaching you like lessons about family and love and teamwork with little crocodile man <laughs> and a girl yeah. who has snot coming out of her face continually the whole movie. It's, 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 it's great. Uh, this is so interesting. There were 15 different sets produced, but only three years. I didn't realize it was such a... Are you kidding? ...small amount of time. Are you serious? So it debuted in 85. By 1988, sales had dwindled so much that it was canceled. But 15 different sets. My God. Yeah. And so controversial. Banned from schools. And yeah, they were we, going to do an animated series that never broadcast because of complaints. Wow, yeah. We, when, I, when I was in third grade, we were, we were trading them, and the teachers would take them away. Mm-hmm. I, I was thinking about how teachers in our childhood were, were like the, the stereotypical mean teachers. It was yeah. like every teacher I had was like this real stern woman that, that hated children. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My entire childhood was comic books and garbage pail kids and baseball cards, just every, toys taken from me. I, I just think uh, the best way to reach young minds, and when I say young minds, I'm talking six, seven, eight-year-olds. Right. Best way to really get to them is just stern sarcasm. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and taking away their toys. Yeah, a little, a little kid whose brain is still forming and just be real sarcastic with them and mm-hmm. let them know that they're losers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was a good kid. I wasn't rebellious in any way. Well, and I hated my teachers. I was always getting hassled by them, you know, just well, for the stupid little things. Is there really, are, are there really any bad kids? Cause, well, the that's, ones a, get, that's kind of a good point. What we're getting in trouble for is not adhering to some structure that's artificial and man-made. The whole idea of school is not, you know, you're not, it's, it's like how I feel with my dog. I'm forcing him to do all these things. Well, what's the difference between a, a kid under 10 years old and a dog? Very, very little. Oh, almost nothing. Human speech, walking upright. Mm, that's it. Bathrooms. Yeah, that's our, I, I'd that's say. Arbit- that's that's yeah, 50-50. My dog has better bathroom like habits than the you know, standard child. Yeah, it is really weird to take a six-year-old who just doesn't know anything, mm-hmm. doesn't know any facts, Mm-hmm. And then be like, force them to sit in a room, sarcastic with them, yeah, yeah and, and 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 publicly berate them, yeah, in front of their their peers, yeah, public it's, humiliation it's, on seven year olds. It's a joyful because you had a little sticker with a you know a, a, a cartoon on it, yeah. So anyway, um, 
lovely Garbage Pail Kids. The, one thing that was fascinating about the panel was how they got away with a lot of stuff because Tops kind of wasn't focusing on them for a while. It was like... So Tops is the big baseball card The baseball card. Yeah. Which make, at that time had no competition, which was weird. And they make all their money from baseball cards. Yeah. The guy even said if you knew the, the amount of money that they were making in the 80s on baseball cards, he, he said it, it astounded him, and he worked for them. So Garbage Hill Kids are this weird little corner, able to make these disgusting cards. He oh talked... God, I'm looking... Sorry, I'm just looking at him just from the movie. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh we we should, we should... I should clarify that in the Garbage Hill Kids movie, the Garbage Hill Kids are, are not like animation. It, it's physical masks. It's, it's small <laughs> people in freakish costumes. This is horrifying. It's horrifying. It will give you nightmares. It's, it's a beautiful thing. You've got to watch it. Uh, in the panel, they talked about the parallels between Mad Magazine covers and Garbage Pail Kids, which there's a lot of Garbage Pail Kids that would just accidentally be a Mad Magazine cover, and they'd later get pointed out. And, he, uh-huh. and the, which they started talking about parallel creativity, which I, I think is such a cool idea. And it's so, so much more common now. Like, someone makes a joke on Twitter. Everyone says, you ripped off this other Twitter thing. But what actually happened is two people thought of the same joke. Yeah. And so that was the case with Mad Magazine and the, and the Garbage Pail Kids. And, and, the, and they would even talk about how the artists would come with the same idea. And, and he said they chose the, the, the winner was whoever came, with the, came first. So, so that, like, they didn't even worry about you know, ideas that were copying each other because they weren't. I did finally buy Atom Bomb which is kind of the iconic card. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a little freakish cherub pushing <laughs> a button, and his whole, the top of his head is exploding in a mushroom cloud. It was on the, cover, it was on the front of the wrappers. And, and I, for, for years, thought it was the first card. Mm. But it's, it's card 8A and B. First card is, I think it's Nasty Nick, the, the vampire. That's sucking the blood out of the doll, oh, out of the yeah. Barbie doll. Yeah. But I, I finally bought that card. I finally pulled the trigger, and I and I. It's one of those things where when you sometimes you buy stuff and you have buyer's remorse immediately. I've had the opposite of that with this, where I'm just glowing <laughs> every time I look at it. I just feel like I'm glowing, like yeah. I'm pregnant. You know, mint condition. Yeah, mint condition. Uh, uh, atom bomb. It's perfect. The sticker hasn't come off. Sometimes the sticker had been taken off and put back on. You know, when you're a little kid, no, this is the real deal. A, a great surprise at this Garbage Pail convention is they had the local uh, Nevada wrestling championship. So it was free wrestling. Yeah, that's awesome. So afterwards, we went to a front row to local wrestling. It was fantastic. It's, so, it's, I've never been to local wrestling. I've, I've, I've seen big wrestling. And who knows, maybe 10 years from now. Future stars. This is where they all start, in the, at a Garbage Pail Kids convention mm-hmm. in front of 10 people. Right. I'm being serious. I know. It's true. It's totally true. That's the, the humble beginnings, you know? There was a guy I really liked whose last name was Bugatti, and he had B-U on, written all over his, his uh, shorts. And so people were cheering. Like, so when people were booing him, they were actually cheering him, which I thought was a funny thing. So the people oh. that are Bugatti supporters yell, boo, boo, you know. But, and so it's a win-win if your name is Bugatti. Any other uh, interesting gimmicks there? Uh, the wrestling-wise? Yeah. There was a guy, I, f- 
I think his name was, oh, it was like Looney Bin Jim or something. And he was a luchador wrestler that was insane. They'd let him out of the mental institution to wrestle, which oh, is a gimmick boy, they, they I, I always love. All the time. That's yeah. Dean Ambrose, let out of the Looney Bin to, to wrestle. And he came out in kind of a luchador outfit, but he had a tutu on, like a ballet tutu. And then he, he brings out his manager, which is a construction cone that also wears a tutu. So, he t- so throughout the match, he talks to this. Oh, because he's crazy. Because he's crazy. He talks to this orange construction cone and cradles it and all this stuff. And so that, that, was, a, uh, that was kind of a nice standout. There was a military-themed guy named Sergeant Major <laughs> who, uh, who I, I got a huge kick out of. He was a heel. But he would beat up, he beat up this guy named The Bullet. And then when the other guy was in pain, he would flex. He would get down. He would, like, do... F- like bodybuilding poses and just flex <laughs> and then yell at, yell at all the, I love when heels will come out and yell at the audience. Like he was getting in arguments with little girls and saying, you get out of here. No, you'll get out of here. There's, yeah. They're so hot tempered. Oh, you know, he's furious. He hated the crowd. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the main event was for the championship. It was like going to re- a local WrestleMania. So I'm not even sure the name of the organization, but... Uh, it looks like it's futurestarsofwrestling.com. That's where I, I see Looney on there. I see Bugatti. I loved him. He was, he's probably my favorite. Because he started the match wanting to, like, let's, let me take a break and relax. And he just got really upset they wouldn't let him kind of collect his thoughts yeah. and, and relax before a wrestling match. That's a big one. Like, yeah. he got furious. Yeah. Uh, the, well, who was the main event? It was, like, Cutthroat Cody... Versus, because the main event was pretty great. The, the champion right now, according to this, is Kevin Cross. Kevin Cross. Cutthroat Cody there. He's got a briefcase for some reason. Yeah, I, I can't recall. It was great. It was fun. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm, I'm going to start trying to go to local Smogville wrestling. Mm-hmm. Just because I had such a great time. But the main event, I was there for the Star Trek convention. 50th anniversary. It was a big year. There was, there was a lot of people, as you can imagine. It was the, the most amount of people I've, I've ever seen there. They had, the, they had the most stars as well. They had a lot of people that don't usually come. They had Jerry Ryan, who plays Seven of Nine. Who oh, ne- she never goes she to those. never goes to them, but she came to this one. There was uh, Scott Bakula, who I... He, he's sporadic, but very rare. And then it, it's always a chance. I always go out of my way to see William Shatner because... He's getting up there in age, you know, knock on wood and all that, but I, I, I don't miss an opportunity to see any of the original cast, which is my Star Trek. The original series is the one I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, what's some, some cool standout stuff? The, the costume contest is always really cool. I always go to that, and I always really enjoy that. Now, you talked about this last year. Someone had a... I don't remember who won, but it was a really obscure... I think it was Baylock. When he's that weird, freakish head, and then it's actually the baby. Oh yeah, Clint Howard. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And so, the, so it was. So he had come out as the giant, weird-faced alien with a robe. Yeah. And you think, oh, that's it. That's the costume. And then no, he reveals there's a bald man under there, and he's got his head coming out, and then like a doll's body. Yeah. It was. It was killing me. It was. Uh, it was so great. What uh, What was the winner this, this year? This year, the winner were two women who. There, I, there was an original series episode, and I can't, I couldn't recall which one it was. Where there's two little shrimp-looking aliens, 
They're apparently little puppets, and they were on the screen for four seconds of the episode because they were disguised as, you know, as humans or something. And these people had made these full-size, weird, Muppet-looking shrimp costumes. So it was, it was the most... I think they went out of just being the most obscure possible alien you could do. Because Baylock is from... You know, he's iconic. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird costume, but, but it, it's not... It's, you know, if you've, you've seen this alien face before, these things, I couldn't even remember what episode it was. It was from the original series. Uh, there was there was someone as the crystalline entity, which is this thing in space, computer generated thing, and they had the the well, amount of computer generated. It was probably an ice cube or something. No, no, no. This is from the next generation. Oh, it's from. T- so, okay. so, so we're talking early because uh, it it you can do a costume from any of the series. Yeah, the crystalline entity looks. It's like a computer generated. A spiky like, thing, yeah, like Christmas like tree roots or something. Yeah, yeah, someone had built that, a physical thing of that. It's, it had taken a full year. That was pretty incredible. There, there were, there it was great. Just look, look online. I'm sure there's a million photos. You know, just look up the hashtag is STLV50, I believe, the official one. So if you're on Instagram or whatever, there. Let's see what else was really great. Um, there was a cake. A, a Star Trek cake display. A bunch of people had made different Star Trek themed cakes, and they put them out, which is but you couldn't okay. Eat them? No, oh no, I know that's that's the worst kind of display, right? Mm-hmm. At least that Seven Magic Mountains were boulders, and I couldn't eat them. I would have <laughs> right. been furious if, yeah, if, if it was cakes. like you know yeah, piles of cakes. And yeah, it's it's just good vibes all around, good people, and lo- lots of. It's like the greatest people watching you can do. You can just sit down on a bench and just look at costume after costume after cool little, like everyone's got cool shirts on and cool backpacks. Were there any Jedi there? There usually is. I you don't, can't go to anything yes. remotely nerd-related without Jedi and there, up. And there's almost, last year there was an R2-D2 rolling around. Like someone had brought their, you know, like they do at Comic-Con. Yeah. I actually don't think there were any Jedi's because this year sold out immediately. So I think it was just the diehard Trekkies. I think those Jedi's will buy, you know, they'll buy a ticket because they live in Las Vegas and they're in the local Star, Star Wars 501st or whatever they are, the, the Star Wars fans that dress up as stormtroopers <laughs> and all that. So I think they just buy a day pass for that day. But this year was totally sold out. So I think they probably showed up and tried to get in using some Jedi mind tricks, but that's not going to work. No, it doesn't work in Star Trek. It doesn't work in Star Trek universe. Did you... So you didn't get your picture taken with any no, actors? I, I did Brent Spiner last year. I considered uh, Kirstie Alley. Is it Kirstie or Christie? Christie Alley? Kirstie. It's Kirstie, right? Yeah. Kirstie Alley was there, and I considered that. She played... Is it Savick? I think it's either... Yeah, it's Savick yeah. In, in part six, I think. No, in part two... That's her first role. Oh, it's Kim Cattrall. Do you remember that? When we, like the day after Leonard Nimoy died and we went to see Star Trek II at our local cinema. Oh, yeah. And some guy thought. Oh, that's right. Some guy thought it was his duty to shout things throughout the whole fucking movie. Oh, yeah. He was trying to do like a riff tracks thing, wasn't he? Yeah. And we're we're in mourning. We're in mourning of Spock. And he thinks it's Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yeah. So her name comes up on the credits and nobody asked him and he goes. That's her first role. Wow. Thanks, thanks bub. Did, didn't people turn on him at some point? Didn't someone yell at him? 
Yeah, someone finally yelled at him because he just kept going. Like, that's got to hurt. Yeah. Too soon. Yeah, wow. That was annoying. Yeah. That was, oh, I was, I was making everyone mad. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I get, I get them, them mixed ups. So Kim Cattrall is in part Kim six. Kim Cattrall was in part six. I couldn't remember which one was it. Cause yeah, she's mannequin. Through my entire childhood, I thought that was the same character. And well, then it's someone else in three. Yeah, playing that's, Savick. True. that's true. But I mean, part six isn't Savick. It's, right. it's a different Vulcan. I think she even turns out to be half Romulan or I don't know. Anyway. So yeah, Kirstie Alley. So I thought I could get, that would be really weird to get a photo with her. And I was right on the edge of it. And then the, the, you could do William Shatner on the original bridge. They had the Star Trek original bridge. Oh, cool. Picture up to two people. I almost did it. It was $180, but that's a little too steep. When you're struggling to pay your bills. When you, yeah. When, you're, when you have to live in your mother's steampunk shop like I do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, oh, and then the third option was John Cena is where I really wanted to spend my money. Yeah. Because he was at the, the toy convention. But, again, that's a hard sell on the girlfriend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> John, so let's, can we get our picture Can we John spend Cena? $100 to get a picture with this giant muscular toddler? <laughs> <laughs> to me, that's an obvious yes. <laughs> right. But then when it, you know, I basically you just bounce that idea off someone who's not insane and you can see, oh, that's not the best use of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was that that's it's a it's a great thing. Everyone should go to it at least once. I went the first year out of just sheer cu- curiosity. So it was suggested last week. Mm-hmm. That we watched the Star Trek episode from season three. What is it called? It's called The Savage Curtain. The Savage Curtain. Which, throughout the whole episode, I was trying to figure out what that title meant. <laughs> yeah. Did you think that we should go back into the Neggy Zone to talk about this? Because I'm going to. I, th- this kind of transcends. This is one of those things that is so bad it's kind of good. Sort of. But... I, I can enjoy... I can enjoy Oh, well, let's, let's I had a re- it might be good cop, bad cop. I'm, I might have enjoyed might, it more than I you. I had a really hard time with it by hour number three right. when I was like, is this episode ever going to end? We're pushing four and a half hours here. Mm. And then I hit pause and realized I was 36 minutes in. Yeah, uh, that, that's, I think that's a, a pretty fair criticism. Yeah, um, <laughs> it did feel long. A lo- the longest 50 minutes of my life. Yeah, I, I did watch it on Netflix streaming on a big television, which might be the first time... I've watched Star Trek, the original series that way when it's not just a Saturday afternoon rerun. Yeah. So I was really struck by how great it looked. It's beautiful. So there's that. Well, the ones on Netflix that they've redone the... Yeah, I was wondering if these were the this, HD like remasters. They've, they've done that, plus they've added uh, new computer animation for the ships and yeah. planets and some of the phasers and effects. Yeah. And I think, I think it's beautiful. It's, it's, yeah, it looked great. The, when they originally made Star Trek, the original series, they, they were trying... It was kind of the birth of the color TV, and they were trying to really sell color TVs. That was kind of what That's they were doing. That's why there's all those bold primary and, colors. And, and TVs, it's not like now. It's like TVs back then were like looking through a submarine window. Yeah. You know, it's, they, the colors had to be bright to even show up on a TV. Yeah, that's a good point. You watch them now, and it's, it's technicolor. Like, it's like an acid trip. Yeah. In a good way. I, that's what yeah, I like. That's what I, I like. Really the, enjoyed that. It's what it, I yeah. like the most about the original series is the music and the bold, beautiful colors. Because you look, 
I, I was even noticing it during this viewing. You look at the uh, the transporter room is just this purple. Yeah, it's this lavender kind of purple. It's this lavender room, and then you got guys in their bright red mm-hmm. and the and that cool pastel blue mm-hmm. and the whatever mustard. Yeah, Dijon mustard color thing. And and every time they go down to a planet in the show, and this was no exception in this one, the sky is some weird color. In this case, it was a bright orange. Yeah. And so, well, so let's let's break down the uh, the Savage Curtain a little bit. It first aired March seventh, nineteen sixty nine, and the plot basically is Captain Kirk and Spock have to join forces with Abraham Lincoln and Surak, the first Vulcan. Yes, to fight Genghis Khan, and I, I have all their names. Colonel Green. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorite things. In, in futuristic movies, when they'll have a, a group of bad guys, or they'll list them. They usually just say them. Yeah. They'll go, he was worse than Hitler, uh, Genghis Kong, and Barthon the Genocider. You <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. And he's from, you know, he's from the cyber wars of the yeah. 22nd century. Oh, I love when Star Trek references things that have happened between our present time oh, and yeah. Star Trek time. Yeah, that's right. That's like, like, well, in 2150, when the cyber wars happened. Mm, I, I love that, too. So the, the, the alien villains that they, the, our heroes have to spar off with is Colonel Green, the Earth warlord, who led the genocidal war of the 21st century. Mm-hmm. So Klingon Kales, who spawned the Klingon Empire. I guess he's inherently evil. It depends on your point of view. Yeah. <laughs> and I will point out Kales. That's one drawback of the HD is you realize how bad the makeup effects are. Uh, we'll get to that. Kales looks like someone took a half-melted Hershey bar and just rubbed it on his face. I, I want to get to the makeup when we talk about Abraham okay, good, Lincoln. Good, good. Uh, a feral-looking woman named Zora, who brutally experimented on primitive tribes of Tiburon, and the Earth Barbarian Genghis Khan. Yeah. Um, oh my God, where to begin? The probably the start. Um, okay, yeah, let's start at the beginning. So Shatner, right off the bat, you notice that Shatner is full Shatner. Mm-hmm. When I watch a lot of this stuff, I think you know he's he's underrated. He's mm-hmm. actually a good actor. Right. But this is perfectly Shatner. Mm-hmm. Uhura, why don't you open the channels? Yeah. And you can see his girdle. Well, I was going to say... this his hairpiece. This is the second to last episode of the third season. So they're almost done with the show. And at this point, had Gene Roddenberry... Is he not involved in season three? I can't remember the details. I, I, sh- I should have looked it up better. But I, they, they, were, they were at the end of it. Shatner has... In the third season, he's kind of put on a little bit of weight. If you look between the... you know, I think he wears a girdle the whole time. And who doesn't? Yeah. But it is really obvious in this episode. He does his hair does look kind of fake and weird. Mm-hmm. He does. I don't know if sometimes I wonder if if William Shatner had settled, not really going through the motions like people think. Like he's just go, like his default setting is hammy, yeah. as much as maybe he just kind of has found what he considers Kirk. Yeah, and so so I give his acting kind of the benefit of the doubt on that. And he could just be that he's bored, and that's or fun. bored. And oh yeah, and, and and look at the material he's been given. Abraham yeah. Lincoln's going to show up, and then you guys basically have to play capture the flag on some planet for a giant, literally the villain in this episode. Oh, we'll get to that too. Let's start at the beginning. So, okay, so, so they're, they're on they're, the bridge. They're supposed to um, explore a planet, and they notice that the the ground is lava. The whole planet's lava. The whole planet's lava, and the atmosphere is unbreathable. So they're like, "Forget it." <clears throat> Starfleet was wrong. We're going to tell them that we're moving on. Then uh, 
they're, they notice they're being scanned. Mm-hmm. And they turn on the view screen, and this big orange glowy thing comes in, which eventually takes the form of Abraham Lincoln floating in space, sitting mm-hmm. in an Abraham Lincoln chair. It's, yeah, it's quite, it's quite it's, an image. It's horrifying. Abraham yeah. Lincoln is scary. Well, I... If Just in general, Abraham Lincoln is scary, no matter where he is. He's scary. He's freakish. Yeah. Not to talk badly about the president. About, but, about perhaps the greatest American of all time. But he is freakish. He's giant. He's got a weird hat that nobody wears anymore. Mm-hmm. He's gaunt and golem-like. And then he's got this bizarro beard. And he, it's, he is like an alien. And, well, in, in, in Abraham Lincoln's defense, I feel like this interpretation of Abraham Lincoln was someone who had never seen Abraham Lincoln but had, been, had him described to them. That's probably true, yeah. Because this Abraham Lincoln was a weird Hershey bar makeup. His beard almost looked like he was turning into a werewolf. Yeah, his beard was like... like it was starting at his eyeballs. Yeah, like 90s Wolverine, like Jim Lee Wolverine. And, and I haven't seen a photo of Abraham Lincoln recently, but, but he had a... They have a weird kind of... His, he has like crow's feet going down his cheeks. Yeah, so his eyes were so... I mean, he does. He had these real weird craggy eyes, but not, not like this. Yeah, and then at the bottom of his face was just kind of like just, just hanging off his face. And then, of course, Abe Lincoln wears that iconic stovepipe hat that frightens me. Mm-hmm. But this one had to be three feet tall, mm-hmm. at least. Yeah, this is like a, a horrifying caricature of our, one of our greatest presidents. Yeah. They beam him on board... With full presidential honors. It was a nice touch. I liked seeing Scotty in his, in his, his kilt. Yeah, and Scotty was really upset. That he was kind of surly. That. Yeah, so they're, they're like, look, we don't know. Most likely, this is not actually Abraham Lincoln, but we should still give him full presidential honors. Everyone in their dress uniforms, get the band ready, mm-hmm. which we'll get to. Um, and I, Scotty's pissed. He's like, well, what's next, Louis of France or Robert the Bruce? And then Shatner walks in, perfect time, and he's yeah. like, well, if either of them show up, we'll do the same for them. Yeah. And it, and it, it does, you, you do get the sense that Scotty just got busted yeah. by the captain. Yeah. Which, they're all friends, but he's still the captain. And so I love Abraham Lincoln trying to navigate this future world, like mm. 500 years ahead of his own time, mm. where he's saying, uh, oh, I heard you on that voice telegraph device. Mm-hmm. He says, sure, take me aboard your ship. Surely you have some sort of machine that can scan me. Do you still measure time in minutes? Which I was surprised to find out they didn't still use minutes. I thought that was cool. I thought it was cool too, but I, I'd totally forgotten that because I've seen this before, this yeah. episode, but I, 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 I guess everything in the future is units. Yeah. It's been 20 units. Yeah. And of course, they, yeah, how can they do minutes when minutes are based on the Earth's orbit around the sun? Which, yeah, that makes, that's pretty smart, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so they scan Lincoln at first, and he appears to be a mineral. Mm-hmm. Um, now this is my very this is my favorite part they transport Lincoln they beam him up Mm -hmm. these are the things he's impressed with in order the taped music yes then the transporter yes he does he he asks he asks about the music first he's like how is their music playing when there's no band and he goes we taped it he's like well you'll have to explain that oh by the way how did I get here? <laughs> he takes everything in stride, too. He yeah. really, it's, this isn't really, you'd think it'd be more jarring to be exposed to these, this technology. And well, and throughout the whole episode, everyone just really drives home how charming he is. I know. And that must, I, I was thinking that must be in the script because yeah. this, is a, 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 this is 
actually. Well, of course, tell, it's in the script. Well, no, but what I'm saying is, is this is tell. This is not. Oh, absolutely. Sh- this is tell, tell not show. Joke. Yeah. Because this, I didn't find him charming at all. No, he just was creepy and but, had barely. But any they lines. hammered at home in all the dialogue how charming. He well, was. Captain Kirk is practically blushing. He, yeah, he's just smiling at him go, for half like, the episode. Oh, shucks. And then Spock is like, I see your point, Captain. He is indeed very charming. <laughs> so, so Abraham Lincoln wants them to go down to this lava planet. I can't even remember why. He's, um, just, he's just, come with me and I'll tell you later. And he's, he says something. He's like, oh, Spock, you'll like it because the founder of Vulcan philosophy is down there. And then Lincoln goes, wait. How did I know that? I know. I don't know why I know that. They have a they have a great meeting. So Kirk, Spock, Bones, and Scotty have this meeting. Yeah, Scotty's practically hysterical. He's <laughs> yeah. he's he's not taking this well at all. He's, he's just, so upset. He's freaking out. Yeah, but they're making great points. Him and Bones, they're saying that they're they're basically willing to go down to a planet that doesn't, by all scans, have land. It's hot lava. Yeah. By a guy that looks like Lincoln with no explanation of any kind. What would our equivalent of Lincoln be in this century? Would it be Henry VIII, maybe? Um, oh, you mean in that much time difference? Yeah. But it, yeah, may, maybe, maybe uh, Braveheart, whatever his Bra- name Bra- is. Braveheart? Mel Gibson? Mel Gibson, yeah. Yeah. Because as great as Lincoln's accomplishments are, it seems weird that in a, in a time when we are exploring the entire universe and meeting alien races and different life forms. It seems strange that he'd still be like the top celebrity. I know. And I found it interesting that it was Kirk's hero. Yeah. Why? I just thought that that's so far in the past that, yeah. that, that, that would be, it'd be a, it'd be like our personal hero being, I don't know who would even be like, yeah. like, like an Egyptian Pharaoh, like Ramses is yeah. your, is your idol. Yeah. You know? And I really don't, I mean, just please, I feel like I have to explain this. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying Lincoln isn't great oh, yeah. and isn't perhaps the greatest American, but it just seems odd that he wouldn't be more than just like a trivia thing at that mm-hmm. point when the whole earth is united. Right. Anyway. Yeah, I, I, th- I thought the same thought. That yeah. like, what, where, what is Kirk's? But he is Kirk's personal hero. Kirk's I love personal that. hero is Abraham Lincoln. And I love just this line for some reason was so funny when Lincoln says to him, do you drink whiskey? And Kirk goes, occasionally. I know. I don't know why I love that so much. I know. Because you and remind then, me of another great leader. And then Kirk's a about man th- named General Grant. And Kirk, uh, like his eyes literally he, are like hearts popping. Yeah, up. he's like, he's dazzled by that. He's, yeah. he's just grinning. Yeah. Which you would think with his instincts as, you know, as a captain in space, that this, that this is clearly an alien, so you shouldn't be this charmed by it. And they've seen a lot of weird they've shit by this point. They've seen a lot of weird stuff. It, it seems weird that he would be able to charm them so thoroughly. Yeah. And have them all believing that they never even ask. They never at any point say, gee, Abe, mm-hmm. what are you doing on a planet yeah. thousands of light years from Earth? Hundreds of Rem- years after you died. After you died. And we know how you died. Yeah. They're just like, well, it might not be Lincoln, but it also might be. The whole episode is Kirk saying, let's see how this plays out. <laughs> That's his leadership strategy. That's what a captain mm. says. So, let's so, see how this plays out. So uh, with, with another great decision, the captain and the first officer are going to just beam down on a, on a wing and a prayer to yeah. a planet made of lava, hoping that Abraham Lincoln is telling the truth. Yeah. So, so, that, so then they meet the Vulcan, who's wearing like a Tongan Island dress. Mm-hmm. 
and then this rock monster that's made out of like jelly rocks. Well, a rock monster, it looks like a giant steaming pile of shit. Let's not mince words. It, that's that's true. It looks exactly it's literally steaming like a pile of shit. And and it and it it's kind of shiny. I don't I don't want to get graphic here, but the the, the rock monster is a stretch. <laughs> it's a shit monster. <laughs> and then he just he he wants so basically I I the whole time never understood what was happening. No. He wants the heroes to fight the villains in order to find out the difference between good and evil? No, which is stronger, good or evil? Oh, which is stronger? Yeah. And I didn't realize how the Futurama Star Trek episode, I didn't realize what, um, that it was so heavily influenced by this particular episode. Yeah. And so their strategy... Well, well what, well, what oh is... But God. in order to fight, he wants them to play capture the flag, basically. Basically, Because yeah. what are they doing? I have no idea. They each get their own base. <clears throat> Now there's three, there's now three different instances where you have Genghis, you have all these great war leaders mm-hmm. that are all built up to be evil and great, and then Lincoln and Kirk and Spock and this Vulcan. So three different times we have this scene. Mm-hmm. Someone goes and distracts someone from the other team, <laughs> while another guy sneaks around. It reminds That's the best thing. They're like, hey, I've got it. <laughs> so Kirk has no peripheral vision because he's talking to Colonel Green, who mm-hmm. looks like. Looks like um, Bill Hader's dad. I thought he was the be- orange jumpsuit. I thought he was the best part of the episode. I thought yeah. his performance and the, his look—he was my favorite part. So he comes out and he's talking to Kirk like, "Hey, no one has to die here." And Kirk is thinking, "Boy, I guess I got the wrong impression of you. I thought you were a genocidal maniac, known for betraying people during peace known talks. Known for betraying people during peace talks." And he's like, "Oh boy, the history books for you." Then, meanwhile, Genghis Khan, who's seven feet tall, is just like creeping around three feet away from Kirk, who just yeah. can't see him. And then he throws a rock at Kirk. He throws a rock at him. I don't even understand. Yeah, the whole the whole thing I've just reminded me of little kids playing playing like hide and seek yeah. and stuff. So then later they go back to their separate bases, and Kirk is like, "Wait, I've got it!" And his plan is the same. Well, first you've got you've got the 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 self sacrificing plan of the Klingon, or I mean the the Vulcan, who's going to yeah. go try peace negotiations. Yeah. And then just goes over there and gets immediately captured. Gets immediately captured and then starts shouting, Spock, Spock help me. Help her, Spock, which help is, me. Which is completely contradictory to what we've been told about the character. Mm-hmm. Well, well, later we find out it wasn't him. Well, exactly. But why did they fall for it? Spock when didn't. Like, wow, Spock he, didn't, though. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, Kirk, Kirk was practically like crawling out of his skin. Like, we got to get over there. Can't you hear the man's in agony? And that that's great to show all the humanity, but yeah, but th- that's ex- you know that's their whole ploy. And Spock points it out, and Spock is totally unmoved. He might be the only one in the episode making any kind of rational decisions. Yeah. And then all these fights, there's all these dumb little grappling Star Trek mm. type fights. Now, kind of the the cliche about Star Trek fights is those like bongo drums yeah. and, the, and the crazy tense music. Mm. So in this one, they're having the fights, but the drums are like laid back island jazz drumming. Mm. So they're grappling, and the drum beat is like boom, boom. Well, it's one of those, and it's just it's so boring th- and lacking energy. It's one of those things where when when they started fighting, I kind of didn't realize they were fighting at first. Mm-hmm. They're talking, and then I literally blinked, and there was no musical cue. I just kind of looked back, and suddenly everyone's fighting. Yeah, and I was like, "What is happening?" It's it has a really twisted. The way this episode plays out, though, is really kind of twisted. 
they decide to do another distraction and have Lincoln. My favorite moment of the whole episode is Lincoln army crawling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's going to army crawl over there and free uh, the, the Vulcan. Yeah. While Kirk distracts him. And he makes this nice speech about war and yeah, there's, it's, no, there's no winners in the only way to win a war is when it ends or something, yeah, something like that. Like it's like Star Trek's known for, for having these strong morals and strong, you know, the, the, something behind the episode that, that's really ahead of its time usually. Yeah. But this is one of those times where they just kind of half, like they're just it kind of... It was totally like phoned in. Yeah, yeah. they were like, well, this is, you know, freedom is the greatest and bad war's is, bad. bad war's bad. There's no good and evil. There's just war. But you get Abraham Lincoln crawling over there, army crawling. He The, the Vulcan... Has actually been murdered, and it's Genghis Khan who apparently. Oh no, no, it's, no, it's the Klingon. It's, it's Kallus, yeah. the Klingon, who apparently can imitate anyone's voice. So he imitate. He can imitate the Vulcan. Then he can do Abraham Lincoln Which crying is just for help. Such, such an odd, sudden. Yeah. <laughs> like well, okay. This guy, oh, by the way, he has this power. Yeah, the greatest, the greatest Klingon who founded the Klingon Empire can imitate anyone's voice. And also, the actor is just opening his mouth up and down. Oh yeah. Well. It doesn't look at all yeah, real. It's the magic of Hollywood. He, yeah, he's like, look at this trick. <laughs> Mr. Spock, help me. I think that's supposed to be, at the time, that wasn't, I imagine that wasn't such a cliche, yeah. but that could have been very shocking. I guess. It's, yeah, it's yeah. a big cliche now, the person yeah. that can imitate voices or the yeah. robot or whatever. Yeah. Like, Data does it all the time in, in Next oh, Generation. Yeah. yeah. But what's weird about the end of this episode is, again, I didn't understand it, but... Lincoln finds the dead Klingon, or dead, uh, what the hell are they called? Vulcan. And then he comes walking back and to say, like, don't bother. Or what's he saying to Kirk as he's walking back? I, I'm unclear on this. And then he collapses and he's got he's a, got spear, a in his, spear in his spear back. His back. Yeah. The pile of shit appears for some reason again. And then says, basically, this didn't work out. And it sends everyone home, right? Now, yeah. Now, meanwhile, um, while this is happening, the Enterprise is about to explode. Yeah. So Scotty's up there. He can't communicate with them. And something's gone wrong with the ship. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, we have three hours until the ship explodes. No, that, the whole, that whole first scene I really liked a lot. Because it starts out with him basically putting Kirk on hold while he deals with the other phone call. Oh, it's uh, true. That I, is great. I thought that was really funny. Yeah, because Kirk keeps it like, Scotty. Scotty, Scotty Kirk here. Scotty Kirk. And, Mr. And, Scott, it's Kirk. And, and at first I just thought Scotty was more concerned with his beloved Enterprise because he, yeah. he loves that ship. You got yeah. rem- you know, to remember that in his free time he's looking at, we learned this in The Trouble with Tribbles, uh-huh. that he's looking at blueprints and manuals in his free time, just read it, technical manuals to relax. And, you know, when they ins- <laughs> that is my, maybe my favorite recurring thing about this original cast. Is what? It's just Scotty and just how weird he is. He's a weirdo. <laughs> like when the, in Trouble Tribbles, when they get in the big bar fight, which yeah. is an excellent Star Trek fight, uh-huh. and they're calling Kirk a piece of shit, and mm. he doesn't care, and then they say, the Enterprise is a garbage truck, and he's like, whoa, all right, uh, yeah. that's it. That gar- garbage scowl, right? Yeah, yeah. And then all the weird stuff in Star Trek Four <laughs> when he's in the Klingon ship. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm giggling about it. No. When they say they make this weird little thing of like, like McCoy's like, we got to get the Enterprise back. This ship stinks. And Kirk is like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, Scotty's in there eating Klingon food or something. <laughs> and, then, and then when he says something, I, I'm sorry, I'm losing my mind. When they say we've got to go back in time and get Hump back, so he goes, people. <laughs> 
<laughs> that might be one of the best lines in Star Trek Four. God, people. <laughs> you imagine filling, and so he's coming, the, and that means Kirk has asked Scotty to build a, a tanks to hold humpback people because <laughs> he's down baking tanks to hold these whales. He's he's yeah. constructing them. So I guess initially. His understanding was they were going to get people and put them in these giant display cases. So he's in the Klingon ship just dreaming about the Enterprise, mm. farting away. <laughs> farting away. And then worried about humpback people from the past. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, yeah actually, Sc- I, t- I take it all back. I said this episode was boring, but Scotty putting Kirk on hold. No, I was going to say, they're, they're, each scene had something <laughs> delightful for me. Maybe, you know, I'm, t- I'm literally tearing up it, thinking about all this. I, it was, it's good stuff. Yeah. Like, uh, and, that, and that's kind of the, what I was saying at the beginning is, is it's, it's, it's pretty enjoyable. It is a little boring. Like, <laughs> there, and there's no point to the episode, but there is enough in this that each scene has something delightful for me. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln army crawling. Scotty <laughs> putting, putting Kirk on hold on the phone. And then you know? again, the, yeah, like you said, we, we breeze past that, the conclusion where it's like, well, perhaps good or evil isn't more powerful. Yeah, I don't even think... And also, his plan was to determine who's more powerful, good or evil, by making them do for, evil make things. crude spears out of sticks and throw rocks. Well, I mean, even... Well, yeah, the concept is flawed. You're, 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 having, you're trying to see what's is better, good, and evil by having people murder each other. Murder each other with improvised weapons. Which is inherently evil. Yeah. So, obviously, evil's going to be better at evil than good. Yeah. But then at the end, it's like, ah, fuck this. And then <laughs> sends them back. No explanation. No explanation from this pile of shit. What, what <coughs> Abraham Lincoln was about. What he even was. Because it seemed like they, they, were se- they were very self-aware that they weren't real. Well, yeah, they explained that uh, Sirach and Lincoln were created. Oh, yeah, from their minds. So from- he scanned their brains. That's right. So that's why Lincoln lived up to every expectation. Because he was built from Kirk's expectations. So that means in Kirk's mind, before this, he was thinking Lincoln would be proud of him. <laughs> that, that fits perfectly for, for Kirk's character. Yeah. He, 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 only Kirk would think that would, would you know, have that kind of ego. Like, oh, man, if only Abe Lincoln were still alive, he'd be really digging If he was this. alive, yeah, he would, be, he would just approve of my actions. And, and again, no, no idea why it's called the Savage Curtain at all. No idea. Yeah, no clue. And, and then... Well, then they just leave? Is that it? The lava monster just gets yeah, to stay there? And then Scotty's like, hey, the ship's working again. All okay. Right. Well, let's go. Wow. That also means that Kirk's mental image, like what Abraham Lincoln looked like, is Kirk's mental image of him. Oh, so that makes sense that it wouldn't be accurate. Yeah, that's it's why. His memory. Yeah, it doesn't look like a photo. It looks like some kind of weird dream you had about Lincoln. Wow. Where he was vaguely a werewolf. <laughs> we need to talk about Star Trek more often. I love Star Trek. I could <laughs> do it forever. I think my favorite episodes of any of our various podcasts are when we talk about Star Trek. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think I can truly hate anything. The thing I love about Star Trek is this is not a good episode. But but I, I still like it. I just can't like everything about Star Trek. I love even the bad stuff is is good for the most part. Like I don't truly like this is not an episode where you watch it and you're upset the way you were about about uh, punks, uh, Salt Lake Punk Two. Yeah, because because this you know you're not you're you're the better man for seeing this. Yeah, 
regardless if it had a, a little bit of boring parts and, and it was confusing. So it says here that Colonel Philip Green's costume oh, yeah. was recycled to be Mork's costume in Mork and Mindy and Happy Days. Which, I, which I'm glad you brought this up because this, is the, this has gone full circle just like SLC Punk. This is me talking about the minutia. This is a detail that I love. The idea that this costume was then used as Mork's iconic Mork and Mindy costume, that's a, that's a, you know, that's a fun fact. Oh, yeah, it is. The, so they just put like that silver triangle on the front. Mm. Yeah, it's the same collar and same jumpsuit. That's funny. They did a lot of that on Star Trek. Even They cannibalized within. Yeah. Tons of stuff on Next Generation. All that is from, it's from the old series or the movies. The movies and Next Generation crossover like crazy. So, yeah, let's do this again. Keep yeah. a, anybody else have a Star Trek episode they want us to, to review? Just write us worldchampionpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, worldchampionpodcast at gmail.com. And I'll, I'll plug our show. I'll plug our other show that we stopped doing over a year ago. Mm-hmm. But um, on pizzapartypodcast.com, uh, we talk about Trouble with Tribbles. Um, we talk about that hippie episode. We did Star Trek Four, didn't we? We did Star Trek Four. Star Trek Four episode is really a fun one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know what episodes, but if you go to pizzapartypodcast.com and just search Star Trek, you should find it. Mm-hmm. And um, definitely, well, I'm going to say it's worth a listen because in my mind, I have that same sort of Kirk Lincoln thing. Right. You, you would be proud of yourself. Yeah. You are proud of yourself. Oh, Lincoln would be proud of us for this review. I need to uh, update this website. Okay. And I guess there's no point since we quit doing the podcast, but still, it's... Why not? It's bugging me that it hasn't been updated. Well, it's a, there you go. You'd be proud of yourself for, for thinking that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm proud of you. So, yeah, anyway, worldchampionpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Instagram, just look for worldchampionpod. I, I recently posted some, some scenes from around Smogville on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to post some stuff we talked about. Uh, Facebook.com, just look for worldchampionpodcast. Mm-hmm. And on Twitter, we are Smogville Fair. And again, just follow us on Twitter. We will absolutely bombard you with retweets and, and hashtags about the Olympics mm. and all sorts. We just tweet right. constantly. Constantly. Like Constant tweet. At least, at least once a month. At least twice a month, we, you'll get a tweet. Oh, yeah. A tweet saying that the new episode's out. Right. Yeah, which you already subscribed to. And if you do subscribe, if you don't subscribe, please subscribe. Mm. We are currently on Google Play. All right. So thank you last week for uh, Jason pointing out to us that we needed to be on Google Play and, how, and the instructions on how to do it. We are on Google Play. Uh, the same plea I make every week. There's no way to find this podcast unless you know about it. So tell your friends. Mm-hmm. Post if you if you're on Reddit. Talk about it on Reddit. Yeah, in a positive light, sp- and leave us a review and all that stuff. Yeah, spread the word. Go on to iTunes. That helps us too. Re- leave a review. Yeah, uh, we do have a rebuttal from Kevin D to oh, Kevin T. Um, Let's get to it. I'm really hungry, and I've really expanded a lot of energy giggling about Mr. Scott. Mm-hmm. But I feel like this needs to be addressed okay. before we sign off. Kevin Dully comes back to us. Bing bong, ding dong. If you missed it, Kevin is a longtime listener, Kevin D. He recently discovered that we have another longtime listener named Kevin T, and there's a rivalry forming here. Yeah, a Highlander-type rivalry. Yes. There can be only one, Kevin. So, hey there, champs. Kevin D. Bag Dully here, writing to update you on what transpired Sunday the 31st. He did challenge the other Kevin to a, to a brawl. That's right. Uh, he refers to Kevin T. as Kermit. 
So Kermit's response to my challenge was a shock to me. For him to so casually accept my challenge was a complete surprise. After I told him that I go to a gym sometimes and I wear tap-out gear, I have plans for the douchiest tattoo to put on my arm, and finally that I wear a flat-billed cap slightly cocked to one side. Mm -hmm. All these facts should have sent him crawling under his bed with fear. <laughs> I love the image he's painted here of the, the ultimate douchebag. Uh, instead, he issued me something called a ladder match or ladder match. Ladder as in L-A-T-T-E-R or yes. ladder match. Right. Uh, it both enraged and confused me because I know of no such thing. I think it enraged me because it confused me. That's how D-bags, dork baggers, like me, react to confusing emotions. <laughs> Going to the tennis courts on Sunday, I had no idea what I was in for, so I walked down the street with my six-foot ladder under my left python and waited at the set location. I waited and I waited, and then I waited some more. I soon realized I had the wrong idea that we were going to fight our ladders against each other and figured he meant a latter match. Looking at my watch on my huge muscular wrist, I realized the latter was just about here since the sooner was passing by. Mm. So I walked my ladder home and went back to wait. I can only assume that he showed up while I was putting my ladder away and thought I chickened out since I wasn't there at the latter time. Assuming this was the case, I have to say... I can respect a guy who shows up, waits three minutes, and takes off. Our Kevin streams will cross at some point, and I'll shake his puny hand and explain all this to him. I'll tell him he has won my respect for probably showing up and let him know I will stop calling him Kermit and start calling him Other Kevin Guy, or OK Guy for short. I heard on the recent show that OK Guy had a good name for Carnage in the Spider-Ham verse. I've just got nothing to compete with here. Swinage? I'll give this one to OK guys since comics are for dorks mm -hmm. and a D-bag like me has no time for that unless it's bedtime. In that case, I grab one of my many comics I have sitting on my nightstand. But I don't read floppies. No, those are too lightweight for me. I read collected editions and tape an extra five-pound plate to the backs of them. Omni-buy. So I can work my guns while I work my mind by reading. Mental workouts, bro. Those funny books are killer for a mental workout. That is a cool idea. R lifting your comics? Taping weights to your comics. I, so that as you're reading, you're also getting some calisthenics. There is some heavy comics. I don't even think it's necessary to some of those omnibus. Well, if they're printed on thick paper. Yes. Brighton, WTF, man. I looked up what Germans think of the name Kevin, and I have to say I'm upset. It's not just Germans. It's the French, too. They even have a term called Kevinism, meaning idiot or something. <laughs> I'm really upset with my parents. Thanks, champs. Keep it real. And I did mention that, and anyone just Google Kevin Germany. Mm. And you'll find out what that's all about. It's really bizarre. Wow. So the, that, the, the battle of these two idiots really played out in a strange way. It's kind of... It sounds like they've, they've made... A, and we yeah. still haven't heard from, from Kevin T. We, we haven't found out what's more powerful, good or evil here. That's so, true. So I think we need to hear from Idiot T. And then just send, and then we'll just send them on their way. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. See if any of them see can how it plays around. out. And then, yeah. if, and then we're like, well, this didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> that was very clever, Kevin. Thank you. All right. Thank you for listening continuously. That's yeah, the end of the show. That is the end. It's been a good one. I feel good about it. I'm in a good mood. <laughs> I too. Have a good night. It's not going to be so bad in the Ferris wheel tonight. I'm back, people. <laughs> <laughs>